don't go to church to worship our Lord and Savior except for Christmas and Easter, like 68.7% of the rest of the American population. Oh, you're a little bad boy. No, from the neighbor's family track. Oh, oh, well, the reason why we're here is because we wanted to invite you to our Easter services at our church. Now, I'm making a plan of salvation into these Easter eggs here. Each color represents something you've done wrong. <laughs> makes me know that you probably don't go to church unless you hold a church service in there or something, but I don't think so. So how about you pack up your group and come with us to church service on Easter Celebration Sunday, huh? Seminary trained pastor, but 
I couldn't do what you saw in the video either, and I hope you're thinking that's a good thing, <laughs> doing it that way. But for a moment, I want you to put those stereotypes aside, okay? No more stereotypes. I just want you to think about sharing your faith. And I want you to understand this, that part of being a mature Christian, part of being a Christian, part of growing in your faith, is sharing It has to be something. It just has to be. I thought this was a perfect time of the year for this series for a couple reasons. One is that um, I verified it yesterday. All the snow on Buck Hill has finally been melted. It's kind of like a rite of passage. You know it's summer, the grass is green. And the weirdest thing happens in Minnesota. In your neighborhood, you start seeing people that you had not seen for eight months. And so this is a perfect season where you start talking to people that you hadn't talked to for a while. You get to run into people, maybe people that you hear about in the stuff one of the day. The other good reason is that one of the things that many Minnesotans love to do in the summer is fish. As I already shared with the kids, one of the pictures that God uses for sharing your faith is the picture or the imagery of fishing. And so over the next four weeks, my simple prayer for you for this series is that, first of all, like with every series and sermon study, that we grow in our understanding of Jesus' great love for us. But secondly, that you would grow and be a better, more prepared, more confident fisherman. And during this first week, I have just one very simple very foundational thing that I want to share with you, but I think we all, including me, need to hear it. And I'm just sharing with you today, as every week, God's Word. We're going to study from the book of Mark. Um, there are four, most of you know this, four books of the Bible that outline Jesus' life. We're going to look at Mark, chapter 1, and in this section, we're going to see that Jesus is kind of near the beginning of his ministry. He's also very near a lake, the way around the lake, the Sea of Galilee. We turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. After John, now this is not John the writer of John, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, again, for some of you, was the one who came before Jesus. He got people ready for Jesus to come by saying, there's going to be someone coming after me who is the Lamb of God. He's the one that is going to be your Savior. That John. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, the area around the sea, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus' message as he spoke to people, as he did miracles, he had a very simple message. It was that of repentance. And maybe take you back to maybe even your new confirmation class. This is what repentance means. It means a turning from our sinfulness and our sinful ways and a turning to, with the Holy Spirit's help and guidance, to God and forgiveness and Jesus. So that God, through that belief, not because 
you do anything, not because you're better than the person across the street, just because you believe the good news. He gives you all of these wonderful, wonderful blessings. That was the main message Jesus had to share. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, beside that lake, think about walking next to Lake Marion, he saw Simon, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. Let's get ahead to verse 18. And once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus said, come follow me. They just kind of leave their nets in the boat and they follow Jesus. Verse 19. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. Now, we come from the very true perspective that everything in the Bible is true, right? These are not stories. These are not fairy tales. These are accounts of things that really happen. And with that in mind, does this not seem like just a little bit unrealistic? I mean, this would never happen in real life, would it? That someone calls and they just leave their nest. Someone in a robe and sandals on the shore of Lake Marion. They call you to come, and you just leave. And if this is true, I mean, which we believe it is, we know it is, were they in like some sort of trance? Did Jesus play some heavenly mind tricks on them and, you know, brought them forward out of the boat? What's going on here? I can understand your misconceptions and also your confusion. Maybe you've never thought about that closely before. If this was the only account that we but remember, we have three other Gospels, and from those Gospels, we know that there was more going on here than just Jesus showing up one day. Here's what we know. That Peter, Andrew, James, and John, those four guys, before this day ever occurred, they had already met Jesus. Before this event ever happened, they had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law, they had seen Jesus change water into wine and ink. That had already happened before this day. They had been, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they had been disciples of John the Baptist already. They had heard John speak about how this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is coming. They had learned, they had understood. They, in fact, even had heard and followed Jesus for a while. When you put the Gospels together, you see this was not the first time that they had met Jesus. This was not a call to faith. They already had faith. They knew Jesus. You know what this was? This was a call from part-time following Jesus into being full-time, I give you my entire life, full-time followers of Jesus. This was a commitment of faith. Now, uh, the disciples, these four guys, they did not understand everything about Jesus. You see their confusion throughout the three years of Jesus' ministry, don't you? But they knew he was more than just a carpenter's son from Nazareth. They knew that he was more than just a miracle worker. They knew that he was, just more, he was more than just some eloquent speaker. They understood that he was the Messiah. That all those promises that they had heard as little Jewish boys in the synagogue, 
that this Jesus in the roving sandals who was calling them from the shore, he was the guy. He was the guy, the God-man, who could give them what they needed the most. What they needed more than anything else. Blessings, forgiveness, blessings of heaven. And that while they did not understand all the details, we knew Jesus would die for them. They didn't get it all at this point. They knew that Jesus had come for them. And so in faith, they followed because Jesus offered them these tremendous blessings. Let me ask you a question. Why did you follow Jesus? Let me ask you a different What's the thing you appreciate most to get a good one about being a Christian? Which essentially means Christ follows. What do you appreciate most about? I'm guessing that 99.9% of you here today will say something like this. What I appreciate most about being a Christian is what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has given me. That although I am a poor, wretched sinner who sins against God's perfect will every single day without order, that Jesus loved me so much But there is something wrong with our faith 
There is something wrong with our relationship with Jesus if our entire relationship has devolved into nothing more than how Jesus can bless me, about how Jesus and what he can do for me, about what Jesus has given me. And my friends, if you think that your faith is only about that, this might sound harsh, but you're believing a lot. Because it's just not true. And this is clearly brought out on the Sea of Galilee back there. That our faith relationship with Jesus is more than just, what can I get from him? Let me uh, go back to that section. Specifically verse 17. And I want you to notice what Jesus says that he will make them if they follow him. Notice he doesn't say, come follow me and I will make you the happiest people on earth. Come follow me and I will make you smarter. Come follow me and I will make you richer. Follow me and I will make you a better husband. I'll make you a better wife. I'll make you more organized. I'll make you... He does a lot of those things. Not all of those things I mentioned, but many of those things. That's not what he mentions here. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishermen. Follow me and I got something you can do for me. Follow me and I will make you fishers and men. And they're probably thinking, because as far as we know, this is the first time this phrase has ever been uttered. Probably thinking like, what? Like, we throw our nets into the lake now, and there's, like, people that get into our nets? I mean, what are you talking about, Jesus? And over time, they would find out. And they came to realize that when people follow Jesus, not only do they receive some of the most tremendous blessings for this life and the next that you could ever have, the only ones who ever give these to you or can give them to you, but not only that, that Jesus gives you something to do. Here's the simple point that I wanted to lay on your heart today. <clears throat> Followers of Jesus fish. It's not an option. It's not up to debate. Followers of Jesus fish. Um, Peter wrote it in kind of a different way. When he wrote, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Okay? That means Jesus is number one in our lives. And then, a conduit of that or a thing that follows, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Um, bakers bake. Accountants. Accounts. Designers. Design. Surveyors, servant, some other things. Followers, fish. And the reason I bring that up today is because I need to hear that. You might think fishing comes easy for a pastor. This is easy. 
I stand in front of people who want to hear about Jesus and I tell you about Jesus. This is easy. It's not always easy for me either in front of people that I'm not sure if they want to hear about Jesus. And what happens as Christians, my friends, is that sometimes we put off what God has called us to do, maybe for our entire lives, because we can come up with all these excuses, all these rationalizing about why we never should why we never talk about Jesus. Maybe some of us think that it's just an option. Like, you know, this Sunday afternoon, we could, you know, watch the NBA Finals basketball game. Why would you want to do that? Or we could go fishing in Lake Marion. Or we could choose neither. It's kind of, you know, an option. Fishing. Some of us might think that people with seminary degrees should do it for me. Some of us, I've heard this one a lot. Um, I'm just not outgoing personality. Jesus didn't say followers with outgoing personalities are fishermen. He said we all are fishermen. Fishers of men. You know, maybe even a part of us that you heard today, four weeks of talking about sharing our faith with life. Well, I understand that at all, but I'd rather have four weeks of building new what about me? That might be our initial reaction. My friends, here, here's the thing. These next four weeks, they may be some of the foremost trans faith transformational weeks that you've had in a long time in your Christian faith. You know why? Because some of us have gone a long time with just sort of not understanding or knowing that part of our faith is sharing our faith. If we've been a Christian for all of our lives, and we have never shared Jesus with someone who doesn't live in our house, or we don't call son or daughter, or maybe we haven't done it for five years or two years or whatever, there's something wrong with And I'm not saying you got to knock on doors. I'm not saying that you got to you know, break some company policies. What I am saying is that followers fish, not just in their actions, that's the start, but also with their words. And here's the cool part. I just lay a heavy burden on my heart. The cool part is the same Jesus that the disciples went to follow, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away all their sin. You follow the same world. And although we have failures in this area, we, we all do. Today, you sit before the Lord, a forgiven, cleansed child of God. You sit before the Lord as if all of those times that we have neglected this calling, God doesn't care about those anymore. He's forgiven us, and we stand and sit in front of Him with a new lease today on what we can do tomorrow, today, as we grow in our faith. Because followers fish, and I need to get fishing, not just in these walls, but in my neighborhood. Followers fishing, we need to get fishing. Now, we got three more weeks to explore this, but 
There's just one more thing today that I, I want to share and, and touch upon that you can be appreciated. Because our immediate response and pushback to this can be, among other things, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to do it. What do I say? Well, first of all, this, this is not that complicated. You don't have to go through a thorough doctrinal dissertation on you know, the, uh, how the man and, and God part of Jesus works, because I, I don't know how that works either. But you can tell people that Jesus loves them. I mean, this, my three-year-old daughter every day in the version time says, um, Jesus died on the cross. Every question we ask about the devotion is, Jesus died on the cross. Um, we're working on that, but she knows the gospel. She can tell you. Maybe you're not an outgoing extrovert. Here's what you do, among other things. You invite people to church, and then you let outgoing extrovert type people talk to them about Jesus for you. Among other things. Here's something else. Notice again what Jesus told the disciples. He says, follow me, he doesn't say, and you will be an expert evangelist with no fears and no concerns and no apprehensions. He says, follow me and I will make you. I, Jesus, am involved In fact, it's a process. And the disciples went through that process. You've seen the disciples kind of their worst sometimes. Um, some of you might remember a time when some parents were bringing children to Jesus to have him bless them, and what were the disciples doing? Jesus doesn't have time for these kids. Get them away. And Jesus, the Bible says, what did he do to them? He rebukes them. The disciples were learning how to be fishermen, even as they fished. Another time, Jesus is right there walking with them, and they're arguing about who's going to be greater in heaven someday. You know what that's like? That's like two ants arguing about who's bigger with an elephant standing in the room. You know, from the perspective of the elephant, you're just both ants, and it doesn't really matter. They were growing as fishermen. And yet, their continual growth did not stop them from fishing today. Because ultimately, and we're going to hear more about this in a different way, ultimately, it is not just me. It is God working in you and through you. And the truth is, if you have been positioned in certain people's lives, that you, and maybe you alone, are best positioned for God to work through you. Sometimes, I envy you guys. You know why? Because when I try to share Jesus with out there, and I do, I need to do it more, but I do, as soon as they hear I'm a pastor, guess what happens? Walls go up. <laughs> so pastor, I gotta watch my language? Hear that a lot? Sorry, pastor. Sometimes you hear sorry, father. Uh, I'm not father. <laughs> sorry, pastor. People get weird around pastors. You are positioned to be able to just be real with people, even better than I can sometimes. I have opportunities you don't have. The point is, you have opportunities I don't have. 
So this week, as we think about being fishermen, as we think about following Jesus and the blessings he gives us and the action that he gives us to us, I have a, a challenge or an assignment for you. Assignment is this. Go up to ten random people this week and tell them, God loves you and I love you too. I'm just kidding, right? You should have seen your face now. <laughs> you could do that, but that's not the assignment. The assignment is, you might still be wondering, can you make a difference in someone's life? Can God work through you? And I know they can. Because here's your assignment. I want you to think about who was the person that God worked through that you are following Jesus and what I want you to do is think about that person. Maybe it was a parent when you were a child. Maybe it was someone in your adolescent years that reeled you back in. That was a Christian light in your life. Maybe it was both. And I want you to write a card of thanks to You don't even have to send it. I'd like you to send it, but you don't have to. At the very least, write it. And as you write it, you will see how God uses people, flaws and all, to make an eternal difference in your life. And they did have flaws. Guess what? They weren't perfect fishermen. They weren't perfect people, but God used them. And God can use us As followers of Jesus, He offers to us blessings that only He can offer, that last is he also tells us, go fish. Your